Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey, business animals, it's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. Hi, Kim. How are you today? I'm doing well, Kara. How are you? Well, I'm pretty good, but I also remember getting a pretty exciting text message from you this morning with some big accomplishment that you knocked out today. I think you need to share it with our audience. People are going to want to know because I'm pretty stoked for you. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked for myself. So that crazy little book that I wrote, like I started talking about it a few months ago, I finally got it all of the way finished, all the way through the proofer, took a lot longer than I thought it was going to, but it was well worth it. And I published it myself on Amazon. So it's now on Amazon, the little book of big sales moves. And you have to, I'm such a little tiny publisher. If you want to find it on Amazon, you have to type in the little book of big sales moves by Kimberly Beer, and then it'll show up in the list. And I'm sure that over time that will get better and better. But for right now, that's where it is. Or you can get a copy from me directly. So I have author copies on their way to me as we are talking today. But I'm super excited because I got to be a publisher. And I know we just talked about that on an episode. (laughs) And an author. Well, I was already that. So that was... um, (laughs) A less, uh, it's fun and exciting because I'm the only person on the title of this book. Like I'm the only author on there, which is a new thing for me, like on a book. But the being published part to me wasn't quite as fun as being the publisher. So I like have my own little brand and the whole nine yards and I own ISBN numbers and I have like my own barcodes. So I am uh, super excited about my little book of big sales moves being out in the world. And trust me, this process was so much fun. There's going to be lots of books on the bookshelf and Amazon from Kimberly Beer. So I'm super excited to get the next one going. That's awesome. I'm so excited for you. And yes, of course, folks can go on and search for it, but I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be too much of a stretch for us to drop a link for folks in our show notes and make sure that they have a place that they can find that. So congratulations, Kim. Absolutely. And it comes to perfectly after our self-publishing episode. So well done, you. Good timing. Yes, it is good timing. And I was very pleased with the process from Amazon. And as I gain more information about that and, and glean more understanding of that whole thing and how it works, I am uh, more than happy to share my experience with publishing on Amazon On Demand or Kindle On Demand is actually what it's called. And the book is available in print. And right now it's not available in the ebook thing because that's a whole nother process, but it will be shortly. So available for download. I think that'd be an awesome episode for folks coming up. Absolutely. We will have that discussion. So make sure you stay subscribed to the Business Animal Podcast. Follow us, like us, and keep track of us because we're rolling out there, Kara. We just got back from another big celebration of a business partnership that you and I have with our good friend Phyllis Burchett from the Cottonwood 
good guest ranch photography, expensive business ventures and fun and animals and cowboys and cowgirls. And we're out there living our best lives. <laughs> we really have had a very busy last few weeks. And I know you are as happy as I am to be home for a couple weeks before we head back out again. So we're going to be doing a lot of episode recording over the next week, just trying to make sure that there's content out there for you guys and that we don't miss a Tuesday. So what are we talking about today, Kim? Well, what we're talking about today is selling on value instead of price. And this happens to be one of my favorite subjects to speak with clients about because I think so many times money brings in this huge complication in our lives, whether it's through limiting beliefs that we picked up as kids or as adults for that matter, or whether it's just the fact that entrepreneurs worry a lot about what they're charging for things. And probably one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my life as an entrepreneur is that consumers buy off of value far more than we think they do. Price doesn't always affect the bottom line decision. People will actually pay more for the exact same thing if it comes with more what they perceive as value. And so for as an entrepreneur who's selling a product or service, it's really important that we understand how to communicate the value of what it is that we are selling. Oh, for sure. And I think it takes a little bit of a mindset shift as a business owner. I think that this is seen, especially in the world that I'm heavily immersed in, the photography business, where we get hung up on setting our pricing around the cost that it takes to buy paper, you know, in print on paper. So being able to sell something based on value instead of price, it's something that that you really have to spend a lot of time thinking about and cultivating. And that's what we're talking about today. And just to kind of break that down, selling on value instead of price, selling based on value instead of price, it's an actual sales method. And it's where you sit down and your price is based on the value your customer receives from the product or the service instead of the cost that it cost you to deliver and produce that product or service. So that is a mind shift if you've been taught as a business owner to look at your costs and then create your pricing based around that. Yeah, I think photography industry is a perfect example of how value-based selling really works because photography is one of those things that you can buy for on the cheap, or it can cost you a tremendous amount of money yeah. as a consumer. And what you get sometimes isn't that different between one and the end, but how you get it and how you understand it as a consumer is hugely different. Whether it's a portrait photographer who works with you, who does like mini sessions at a barn or in the park with dogs or something like that and only charges a very small fee, all the way up to what your expertise, Kara, which is the in-person sales, which is the high level of service, high level of art, big amount of time that you spend with your customers. There's a lot of value difference for the consumer between those two things. And as an entrepreneur, when we understand the value that we bring to our customers, we begin to be able to compensate 
for the time and effort we put in thing and be compensated for that. So the price can go up because the value goes up along with it. Stock photography is another thing. If you're a business who buys stock photography, there's micro stock where you can go buy a picture for 75 cents, but everyone in the world has it versus buying from a photographer and spending 60 or 120 or $200 for a product that you know is going to be rights managed or royalty free, but not as out there to the rest of the world. There's a radical difference in value from part one to part B in photography. So I think that's a great example for people to understand why it's important to understand the value of what you're selling and then also how that impacts your bottom line as a consumer or as a entrepreneur. And there's so much room for this thought process around value instead of price when you're selling value instead of price in an animal-based industry. Because oftentimes you're working with Mm -hmm. people, if you're in the pet industry, you're working with people that place a lot of emotional value on the animals that they're surrounded with on a daily basis. The key is how do you make that transition? How do you transition your business or how do you set your business up to be based on value instead of the hard numbers of pricing? How do you do that? And I think that's what we're going to hope we're hoping to talk about today and to kind of flesh that out a little bit in our big three. So our big three today to kind of get us moving forward is number one, you've got to do your customer research. You have to know your customer. You have to know what they value and what values need to be involved in solving their problem. So that's number one that we're going to dive deep into. Number two around this idea is you've got to create company statements that demonstrate how your business creates that value for your consumers. And you've got to come up with a list of questions that lead the consumer to discover their own values in relation to what you're selling. So we're going to break that down because that's such an important piece of this. And then the third piece of the big three is you never answer that question, how much Or what do you charge first? It sounds like a really silly thing to say because that's where a lot of our consumers come at us is, are you available and how much, right? So we're going to break that down for you as well in our big three. Kim, will you dive into number one? Absolutely. So one of my favorite topics is talking about talking with your customers. (laughs) So I love to help entrepreneurs understand how they bring value to their customers. And I often begin this conversation by taking the entrepreneur back and saying, there's a reason you created your business. And Mm -hmm. that's great. But once you open your doors and become a business, it's no longer about you. It's about your customers and understanding the value that you bring to them. And this is centered around solving a problem. And I don't care what business you have out there, you solve a problem. No matter what it is, it, it even the slightest little widget solves a problem for the consumer. That's what they're after. It either gives them a feeling that they're seeking something. There's something out there. Sometimes it's more obvious than other times, but you're always solving a problem. So when you get to looking at how do you communicate the value or how do you understand, in this case, the value that you're bringing to your customers, I find the best place to start is by asking them questions, doing some customer interviews, sitting down with them and really having a very open discussion about how what you're providing 
brings impact to their life and brings value to it. And honestly, I've said this a, a hundred times on this podcast, but if this is your first episode listening to it, in these interviews, you need to listen more than you talk and you do need to record mm -hmm. them because we all do fall victim to bias. So we translate what the customer's consumer says into our own language and in doing so, we destroy the ability to communicate with that customer in their own language. So it's really important that you take some measures to get yourself out of the way. And that's one, not, not talking during the interview, like sitting and listening, ask the question, let there be a little bit of uncomfortable silence, and then also recording so you can go back and transcribe that into text, which you can do through a product called Otter AI, which will save you a ton of time. Kara and I use it to do the transcripts for the podcast. Or if you don't want to pay for that, YouTube has a transcription service that you can up upload a private video to and do it there. Anyway, off with the technical subject and on to what you need to seek to understand in these interviews. You need to seek to understand how what you're selling fits into your customer's overall life goals. So how does what you're doing, what is the puzzle piece in the overall puzzle of their life what is your puzzle piece or your product or service providing for them? And for animal-based businesses, Kara is very accurate there. There's an emotional connection consumers have to their animals that we need to fully understand as animal-based business owners. And it's really important that we take that into account. You also need to understand the barriers that your potential consumers and customers are experiencing, both related to and beyond what you're selling and how those are, again, fitting into that larger puzzle in their ability to achieve their goals. Sometimes maybe they have a pet or an animal that they're very attached to and they want to be able to do training with them but they have a full-time job and a family. So the barrier sometimes, yeah. if you are a dog trainer, would be the fact that your person doesn't have time. So how can you help them understand or create that time for them to do the training? So that would be an example there. You also need to understand their pain points and their pinch points. So pain points are what they're really working to solve. So those are the problem. And with every problem comes a pain point of some variety. So you need to suss down into what they're doing and find out what those pain points are. And then the, what I consider pinch points are the level of pain point that it gets so uncomfortable for them that now they're really willing to seek a solution to whatever the problem is. And those barriers that they're running into aren't so big anymore. So in the example of our dog trainer, let's say that me as the pet owner, I have a dog and my dog is jumping on everyone who walks in my door. And eventually, okay, it wasn't too bad because it's the kids, right? And the kids can play with the dog. And then it was my husband and, and then maybe my husband's buddy. But then 
my dog knocks down grandma and causes her to have some bruises. Now I've hit a point to where I'm going to say, okay, I don't care about the amount of hours I have to spend at my job. I don't care about the fact that I have this family to take care of. I do care about my family, by the way. And I'm going to feed them, but I'm going to make time in the evenings one day a week to be able to go to obedience school with this dog because I can't have the dog knocking down grandma. I done hit my pinch point with the fact that grandma now has a bruise on her hip because the dog bowled her over. So you have to figure that out for your individual audiences. And that's the conversations that you need to have so that you can understand what those points are. And a great place to mine some of that is through your past clients or your existing clients and actually yes. spending some time asking them questions. You know, you can survey them about what they found most valuable about the product or service that you provide. There's nothing more powerful than learning the value of what you provide from the client. They tell you the value. They will tell you why this is important to them, why they sought you out, why you were the good fit for them. And then you can add your value on top of that. You can build upon it. So there's nothing more powerful than their own self-perceived value and being able as a business owner to put that into words for them. It really, just like in the example that Kim gave, it might have started in one place, but when it reached that pinch point, the value became so much higher for them because it became something that they had to have for whatever reason they had to have it. So the value changed. So definitely spend some time making sure that you are talking to your past clients, you're surveying them about the experience with you and where they found value and not just the value that you seem to think as a business owner that you're providing to the world. So ask your clients specifically about that. And then one thing that you might find is that sometimes you're in front of the right client and sometimes you're not. The right client that your services are in product are for and sometimes you're not. So being able to clarify that that in your messaging as part of this first piece, I really do think helps because if you're trying to show the value to someone who's not a good fit for your business, then the message is going to be missed. They're not going to see the value. They're not perceiving it that way. Absolutely. So I think we're ready to move on to number two, which is what do you do with all of this information other than use it in your sales conversations, which is an excellent thing to do. What I see a lot of businesses do here is I see them go ahead and gather the information. They get a better understanding of it. They use it a lot in their live conversations, but then they don't do anything with it on their website or on their social media mm. or in those places where customers are coming into contact with it. So what we have to do here as business owners is we need to take the wisdom that we have gained from understanding the value and the problem and the pain points and the pinch points, and we need to start creating company statements and places that we demonstrate what the value is that we bring to our consumers out into the world. And a lot of us will talk about this in the business world as being like positioning statements or brand messaging all falls into here because this is the part of this process where you really bring the value forward and you embody it completely. And it becomes a lot of your marketing message because honestly, this is where you're reaching the people that are going to hold the value of what you offer 
in great regard. So it's important to that person who has the dog that jumped on grandma that that doesn't happen again. That is a value. And if you understand that and you've demonstrated on your website, stop your dog from jumping on your loved ones. And and that's a kind of a silly little example. It extrapolates to everybody who's listening to this. Now you have demonstrated that. And when I come to your website as a person with that problem, I immediately see the answer and the solution to what's plaguing me at home. Here in this vein, you want to answer the questions that your customers are asking themselves, <laughs> that they're facing and that you've figured out from your interviews. And then in their words, not yours, offer that information out on every single place that you can. Put it in your social media, put it on your website, put it in documents, put it out there in your brochures and your literature and and anywhere that you can get it in front of people. It's really important for you to express that because that's where they're going to interact with it. And if they do talk to you live, it's going to reinforce what you said. And if they see the literature first and then they come to you, then you get to reinforce it there. So it sort of becomes your manifesto, so to speak, of marketing for your company and brand positioning and statements and such. And it's a very important part of business building that I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs get around to until they've been in business a few years. So if you're new to business or just starting a business, it is never too early to jump on this bandwagon. Because here's another thing, it's not carved in concrete. You will be able to change this and alter it as you learn more about your consumer and you learn more about your business. I love this. And the piece of it that really sticks with me is that using your client's words. You know, we want to ask ourselves the question, why should consumers choose our product and service over our competitor's product and service? And one of the things I like to do is ask my clients specifically, you know, why did you choose to work with me instead of another photographer? Because Lord knows there are so many horse photographers in town at this point. And the difference is asking them, well, why did you choose to work with me instead of someone else? And then being able to use their words and their thoughts and not just what I think is the reasoning behind that. And like Kim said, putting that to work, whether that be using your client's stories to illustrate how you brought value to their life or how you solved a problem, harnessing the power of those testimonials, like getting out there and actually putting your testimonials to work and asking questions to get your clients to talk about the experience that they had working with you. And then I like to find ways to set yourself apart. So find a way to compare and contrast using that information, your product and services to that of your competitors. And then we're not doing this to put our competitors down. So make it a point. You don't want to be that sleazy sound business that's putting down Joe business down the street. You want to use it in a way to compare and contrast because their client might be a different client than yours and you're going to fit a need that maybe they aren't going to fill. And I would just add nothing 
to me looks more unprofessional or less professional than or desperate even than a business owner, you know, talking shit about another their competition in the community. So just start thinking about how do you set yourself apart in this segment and doing it in a way where you're using what you learn from your existing clients and just really harnessing the power of that and adding that to what you already know about your business and the services that you provide. Yes. And talking smack on your competition is never looks good. It's just really not a good look on anybody. And to me as a consumer, it's a red flag that I I don't want to do business with that business. And I bet you I'm not the only consumer out there in the world who feels that way. So you've done your interviews and you have all of this stuff set up and you then you have a customer come into your establishment or approach you and say, how much is what you're selling? I never answer that question first. Now, I'm going to grant you I'm in a service-oriented business. I'm not selling a mm -hmm. widget. And if you are selling a widget that is relatively low priced, you may have to be kind of forced into this answer pretty quickly in a conversation because consumers get flustered if you don't tell them how much it is. <laughs> However, for the mass majority of businesses out there, including some of those lower priced product items, I really hold fast to, the, to not answering this question first. I want to know more about my consumer before I get into the conversation. So this is just good salespersonship is being able to get mm -hmm. to know your customer. And I will guarantee you, even if that person says that's too much for me or I can't afford that and walks away, you have gained something from that conversation and they have gained something from that conversation. So let's always try to make it a great conversation versus saying them coming to you and saying, how much does that cost? And you saying $250 and them walking off. <laughs> Nobody gets anything out of that. They get flustered from, oh, that sounds super expensive. We're going to consider that's expensive for what we were talking about. And you're like, you have no idea what it is that they were interested in. So it's just not a good thing for anybody. So how do you feel this question without answering it? Because a lot of times people walk up to us and say, I personally, I have people walk up to me and say, generally, I don't know if I can afford you, but I'd like to know how much your services are. And I never answer that question right off the bat. What I do is say, okay, well, let's figure that out together. Let's sit down and talk about what your goals are with your business, what your goals are with what you're doing. What is it that you're seeking to understand about yourself? You know, I mean, it depends on what I'm selling or what they're interested in, but I want to know more about them and I want to know more about their situation. And that helps me be able to demonstrate the value of what I do directly to them in their very specific situation. So that's why I don't answer that question right off the bat. Oh, 100%. And I get that question all the time. Like people will send me a DM, text message, email. I mean, that is, I'm sure that I am not alone with getting that. Are you available and how much do you charge? That super simple so, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle, Kim, with that question because they feel the pressure to just answer it and give them what they want, mm -hmm. you know, just that initial answer. But what tends to happen, and I will tell you from my business, if I say, well, this is how much it 
costs to book a session with me, but I don't build relationship first. They absolutely 90% of the time will go down the road to Joe Cheap Photographer down the road. It's going to happen 100% of the time. What I have found, though, first of all, is that a lot of industries, especially in the service industry, you cannot just give an answer like this is what it costs. Because until you know more information, how do you price the job, right? So for me, I can't just price a job by just giving them a number. Mm -hmm. I would probably not be being true to myself and not true to them. I wouldn't end up having to charge them something totally different by the end of the day because our expectations around what they need and what their pain point is might be really different. So for me, this files down to I've got to build rapport first. I have to ask a lot of questions, a lot of leading questions, which means that I need to shut up a little bit and I need to let them talk. And I need to spend time building connection, eliciting emotion, And just really understanding what their needs are. And I'm gathering this information so that I can understand what value I can bring to them and I can build that value in the way that I talk to them. So for example, if someone contacts me, a question I'll ask them is, can you tell me a little bit about why you've decided to reach out to me now? And then the information that they give me is value gold. That information is where my value growth starts and where I add and add and add to it. But but I'm starting from that place of where their pain is, where their pain point is, where their need is. This is also a time when I'm determining if that product or service that I offer is a good solution to their problem, if we're going to be a good fit. And if we are a good fit, that's where I talk about the how and the why. Then I'll start that conversation. This is why my business is a good fit. This is why the services I provide are a good fit for what you are looking to solve right now. As you're having that conversation, you can start to, if objections start to come up and you do start talking about pricing, being prepared to handle those objections and how to talk about them, this is a good place for that. Because when you start talking about the money side of things or when you start talking about your process, you might start to feel out objections and being prepared for those in advance can be really, really big. And then the last piece of this that I would add is that whole question around how much and trying to build the value is that can start before their first initial contact with you. You can be building value. The content that you're putting out into the world should be value building. So you can be educating potential clients. You can be educating them on the services that you provide, the products that they might actually need that might be best for what they need to solve their problem. You can be providing online guides. You can have an FAQ page on your website, which we just did a whole episode about. You can have tutorials on how to do things, blog posts, YouTube videos, just all around great content. So you're building the value before they even send you that first DM or pick up the phone to call you or send you an email. That would be value building is that whole process. So I think that's a great thing. I know that there's probably some people sitting out there now going right now, but, 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 but. So um, let me address some of those buts out there that are saying that they need more here. One of the most common questions I get asked when somebody approaches me about website work is, do I publish my prices on my website? 
because they're accessible for the entire world. And there are some times when you have to do that. If you have an e-commerce business, you got to put your price on there. But the way that you handle this in that situation is you don't put your price at the top. You put your price after you have used bullet points that demonstrate value and illustrations and photos and those kind of things that illustrate what you're doing. And then at the bottom of the page, there's the price. You need to make it so it's findable for people because people get frustrated if they can't find the price for something. But you also need to show them the value before you announce the price to them. So if you can't be there personally in conversation, if you have a service-oriented business like my business or Kara's business, then I don't advocate for people putting those prices online. Because one, I want to personally have the flexibility if it's a project or client I particularly want to do or I see a lot of opportunity there. I want to have the opportunity to wiggle with those prices a little bit if I need to make that a fit on a project that I want to do. And then I also think it opens up the conversation in a service story in a business like Kara mentioned that you can create for that customer exactly what that customer needs to solve their pain or pinch point and demonstrate the value of it before money ever comes into the conversation. And then you have a much better opportunity of being able to either make the sale or overcome the objections that are going to come up during that particular conversation. So in the case of a service-oriented business that is like minor cares, it's usually a little larger service-oriented business, larger, bigger ticket item, I guess, is what I'm trying to go for there by larger, not larger companies, but larger price tags, and has a lot of flexibility, I don't think putting your fee on the website is a good idea. For a dog groomer or someone like that, you may need to do that because that's the industry standard for your business. In that case, again, don't compete on price alone. Anytime that you are using the numbers of your price to sell what you're selling. In other words, you're competing with your competitors on numbers alone of what it's going to cost the client. I think you're cheating yourself in being able to make a sustainable living because you really pitted yourself against your competition in an area where you just don't have wiggle room. I mean, there's no way to, there's no way to wiggle around that. So put the prices in, but put them in an area where the value is more apparent than the price. And that way you're not competing competing just based on that number. Because the one thing you don't want to do, whether you're selling in person, selling in an expo, selling on a phone, selling on a website, is you don't want people, your consumer to come there, see the number and leave without having some type of an educational conversation, whether it's one that they read themselves or whether it's one that you initiate in person. That would be my two cents to add to what you said, Kara, because I do know people probably have those questions out there that have different types of businesses. And it's okay. Like you don't have to put, like you're talking about your pricing. Like on my website, I might have something that says, you know, my average client spends between this number and this number. And what that comes down to is that 
you know, when you have a, a service industry where your prices might shift or change, it's really difficult to set an expectation around that. There are lots of different ways, I think, to put that out there. And that's a good question because people do ask, should I put my pricing on my website? And you do it to some extent want to have some kind of benchmark to determine if you're even in the right realm of what they're possible of being an eligible client for you. But the biggest piece is that if you are selling a higher ticket service or product, you have to be able to show the value. And you do that by building a relationship by showing connection, by building the value of all the things that kind of lead up to that. You have to give yourself a chance to get there. And I will tell you in my industry, if I send someone the price, a lot of times they'll go, I'm never going to win that battle. They're going to go to the cheaper person because I have an established value. If I get that person on the phone and we have a conversation and I can address their pain points and show value that way, almost 100% of the time they'll book with me. So it legitimately comes down to the value building side of that. It most certainly does. It most certainly does. And it has in every single thing that I have ever sold in my career from carpet cleaning to horses to saddle pads to photography to business consulting. It comes down to first understanding the value of what you bring to your consumers in their own words and their own feelings, and then being able to communicate that clearly and not getting tangled up in the numbers for pricing. That's our big three from today in different words, but (laughs) that's what it comes down to. Yes. Awesome. Well, I think this has been an awesome episode and I just want to end it by saying you can add to the value by over-delivering providing that wow factor, walking away and leaving them wowed, and then thinking about as a business owner, how do you take your client's experience and convert that into your next client? So brought all the value. So how do you convert that? So this has been a cool episode. I think this issue comes up all the time around price and value and how do you set your pricing? We just were in Cottonwood. And I felt like this conversation came up over and over and over again with the people we Mm -hmm. were working with, you know, trying to justify pricing and build value around that. So this has been an awesome episode. I hope people have found it at least thoughtful and helpful. And y'all look for Kim's new book. And Kim, can you give us the title again? I've already forgot. (laughs) The Little Book of Big Sales Moves. How could I forget it's that title little book of big on sales, Amazon? And it's only 86 pages. That's why it's the little book, because I don't ramble, which for those of you who know me is a miracle within itself. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening today. We will be back next Tuesday with another episode. As always, you know, we hope you're out there taming your wild business beasts and that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to let us know that you gave it a listen by hopping over to our social media and saying hello. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal.